When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And I hope you've had a great Christmas day. And I hope you're going to have or are having a better Boxing Day than England, who toiled again manfully in the Australian sun. Australia not giving it away. 244 for three after the first day at the MCG, the Boxing Day test. And, Simon, uh, they are not taking their eye off the ball, despite the festive period, it seems. No, they want 5-0. It was a curious day's cricket. 102 for no wicket at lunch. You thought, oh, this is going to be a 350 for two day. England got a grip of it in the afternoon. We had a remarkable afternoon session where just over 40 runs were scored in 26 overs. England really got a hold of the game. There was that dramatic incident when Tom Curran had Warner caught on 99. It transpired it was a no ball. There was a lot of verbals on the pitch. Warner coming back and then reaching his 100 off the next ball. There's a lot of chat on the pitch. We haven't quite got to the bottom of it yet. Who said what to whom? But there was a a lot of chat out there. Warner was involved. You can definitely see him mouthing off. But England, I think, were involved there as well. They got Warner out. They got Kawaja out. You thought, they're in the game here. And then, as has happened throughout the series so far, Steve Smith shut it down with a bit of help from Sean Marsh. There was a very close call for LBW Marsh early on in his innings when he was on Nort Broad, who hadn't taken a wicket for 69 overs. Thought he had Marsh LBW. The umpire said not out. England reviewed it. It was umpire's call. If it had gone the other way, then who knows? But Australia in a decent position at the close. It's an odd phenomenon, the, the Boxing Day test, isn't it, really? Because, you know, anywhere else in the Christian world, people are celebrating Christmas and taking time off work and getting their family round and, you know, big, building up to a big Christmas day with a huge amount of food and presents and, and everything else. And yet... England uh, and Australia have to kind of get ready for the Boxing Day Test match on Christmas Day and the days before. And then, obviously, when the match starts itself, there's not exactly a kind of festive spirit there, is there, as you're saying, with 
this kind of possible altercation between Warner and the England players. And, you know, there's that kind of fervent build up before the, the Boxing Day test with the, the national anthems and 90,000 people in the ground. It's quite un-Christmassy. Yeah, and both teams have to practice on Christmas Day. Australia win the Nets first on Christmas Day, then England. Australia had a more relaxed approach. They had some of their, the, the children and the Australian players were practicing in the next net. You don't see that happen very often, but the Australians were, were there in, in relaxed mood. They were 3-0 up in the series, obviously. England had their, their serious heads on. Didn't see any of the bowlers bowl. That's optional on the day before a, a test match. You want to rest your, your body up, really, in preparation, as it turned out for a, a long, hot day in the field so yeah so you've got to do your preparations you've got to go to the ground and then you have Christmas lunch you can't really drink because you've got cricket the next day so a sportsman's or sportswoman's Christmas is very different from anybody else's Christmas I mean the Premier League footballers Football League footballers they all know all about that you, you can't really have a Christmas day and you say you're being dragged in, in sort of one of two directions really one by your, your family who want you to get involved and participate and also by your the cricket side of you which really just wants to concentrate on a on a test match the next day especially when you're stepping out in front of 88,000 people it's a curious occasion today though I mean it, it, it doesn't make get you thinking about how we do need a test championship to make every match really matter in terms of winning points because in a way England are playing what are they playing for they're playing for pride of course, it's a huge commercial success, the Boxing Day Test match, because 80-odd thousand people turn up on the first day and the crowds will be huge. You can't just call the game off because it's 3-0 and the Ashes are gone. You've got to play the matches. But there is that sort of feeling of, a little bit, you know, why are we playing? Of course, historically, we know why we're, we're playing. You've got to complete the series and England playing for pride. But I think the sooner a Test Championship comes round, the better. I couldn't agree more. And it just gives context to all these other games. You're right, actually, because being in Perth and when Australia won the series already 3-0 and people would say, well, why do we need the fourth and the fifth tests? And obviously, yeah, there is a commercial aspect to it. But if there, if there was a wider context to it as well with the World Test Championship, it would mean more. Actually, people around the world would focus on it with a bit more interest and, and it would have actual meaning. So you're, you're absolutely right. And it's a good example for why we need a, a big championship to draw everybody into to what is... A, it's a great event, actually. And, you know, there's a real buzz, isn't there, in Melbourne about it. What about for, for a BBC man, um, Christmas Day? How, what, does that, what does that involve? Well, it involves working in the morning and going down to the nets and getting interviews. I did an interview with Joe Root, England captain, and then you know doing your various uh, voice work, sending voice reports back to England team news, that that sort of thing. We almost had a a, a, a big story, a bigish story, uh, developing later on Christmas Day when we got news that the Moen Ali was possibly a, a doubt for the game. He was struck in the nets. It's funny because we watched him back. We didn't see it happen, but then we went off to to have a chat with, with Joe Root. It might well have happened while that was happening because Root was talking while the Nets were going on. So, you know, you, you can't always relax. Even, even on Christmas Day, later on Christmas Day, there's sort of a hint of a story, an, an injury story. Having said that, I mean, you know, if it were 1-1 in the series and Moen had, had really been a, an integral part of England playing well in the series, then it you know, would have been a bigger story. But ultimately whether he should have played or not, whether Mason Crane should have come in for, for his test debut. I mean, I don't know where you, you stand on that. But anyway, the point is, is you have to work Christmas Day. The players have to focus as well. But you can relax a bit. We had a media lunch 
uh, from one till quite a long time later when uh, some nice food and some drink, not too much because you're commentating the next day, but some drink. Oh, you're so professional, aren't you? You're so... (laughs) You say, where am I standing on the Mason Crane thing? Well, I'll tell you where I'm standing on that is... Uh, I, I watched the game back in England and I fell asleep at about two watching you know the first couple of hours play and then I, I switched back on at, I don't know, 5am to see David Milan bowling <laughs> to, uh, to Steve Smith. And although actually Milan is a perfectly respectable bowler, I'm just thinking to myself, uh, right, you know, that looks a bit ominous really. And, and it does seem slightly absurd actually that... You know, England build up to this huge Ashes series and come out to Australia with great hopes. And and all these cricketers who play in county cricket, what is it, 360 professional cricketers. And we've got at the Melbourne Cricket Ground on Boxing Day in front of 90,000 people, we've got David Milan bowling in in an Ashes Test match who who barely ever bowls for Middlesex. Uh, So, I don't know, I mean, there's something gone a bit wrong on this uh, selection with... Someone like Mason Crane in the wings there, and and yet not deemed re- kind of uh, riskable, I suppose, in an event like this. Moen has been incredibly disappointing, and I, I sort of sympathise with him really because he's not a frontline spinner actually. Although he's had a, a great deal of success as a spinner, he's just not really a top class bowler. He does take wickets, but he doesn't give you that e- element of control. And with there's, if there's anything slightly wrong with him, like either injuries or or maybe sometimes confidence, then his bowling is is utterly innocuous, as it clearly was today. And England are left casting around, trying to find people to bowl, which, again, just sort of says that there is a bit of a wide gap between the two teams in Australian conditions. Moen's bowling has been found out on this trip. He has had injuries. Remember, he came into the the series, or at the start of the series, he had that side strain which set him back. He didn't play in the warm-up games. He's had this finger injury. He's now got a hand injury. So, clearly, it's been a a hugely disappointing series for him. Milan actually bowled more overs than him today and gave England a bit more control. And that was the perverse thing. Your your front-line spinner only bowled six overs. Milan bowled seven overs. And it might well be worth Milan developing his bowling is especially if you're a leg spinner as well I mean you can talk about you know left arm spin occasional left arm spinner or occasional off break bowler how effective are they going to be well you've got a leg spinner and that sometimes that can be hugely effective as a as a part-time bowler but you know if he was able to develop his bowling anyway that would you know that would be to some benefit to the England attack but I, I wonder whether Crane should have played because they they want him to play sooner or later he's he's going to play I think and there was talk of him playing last summer that didn't happen mainly because the series against West Indies was tight I think the idea was that he was going to play at Lords in the in the third Test match that didn't happen because the series was won all because of, of what happened at at Headingley so you know they they clearly like him the England management want him to to be on the tour there's two aspects to touring of course as you well know one is to actually play one is also to learn you know being around the team you get to learn about team life the team the team management get to learn about you what sort of character you are what you can offer the team but clearly Crane's got something or they believe he's got something and you think well three nil down in the ashes it's not the worst thing in the world to give him a go even though it's 90,000 people on boxing day they did it to Tom Curran having said that Curran is a combative cricketer who stood up today and, and did pretty well he was not he was prepared to try you know slower balls he, he nearly got his first test wicket yeah that, that was good to see I, I thought that 
it was an enterprising selection. I didn't think he would have that much impact because I just think he, like many England bowlers, lacks pace. And he was bowling in the, the sort of high 70s miles an hour. Definitely no shortage of ambition or energy or enthusiasm about his bowling or imagination. And, and back-of-the-hand slur balls, which just slightly foxed the inexorable progress of Steve Smith. But unless you have the extra pace to go with a good back-of-the-hand slur ball, it isn't as effective at this level. And uh, I, I, he needs to develop some more pace. But, but it was great to see that incident when he nearly got his first test wicket. And the funny thing about the 90s that, that makes a batsman clam up like it did with Warner, who was so fluent through most of his innings and then took about 45 minutes through the 90s. I think he was stuck on 96 for about 18 minutes. So he got his chance to get his 100, then top-edged that pull and was caught at mid-on, only for it to be deemed a no-ball from current round the wicket and then it was all uh, all off on the field with lots of words being exchanged and then the next ball he finally got his 100 and I don't think I've ever seen a, a cricketer jump as high after getting a 100. Well it was a typical Warner celebration for his century. I, I think that the thing about Warner he's not really joined in that much in this Ashes series so far. When you look at the, the teams at the start of the series you think okay Australia's bowling attack, Steve Smith, David Warner, those are your bankers. And Warner, OK, he did well in the second innings at, at Brisbane, but they were only chasing 170. And I felt once they got to sort of 40, 50 for no wicket, it was almost job done. It wasn't quite free runs, but there, there wasn't the pressure on Warner. And he's got in several times in this series. He's threatened, but he's got himself out. And he, I think he, well, after play today, he said, you know, I, I just didn't feel I contributed enough. And I really wanted to make it count. And you look at Warner compared to anybody else today, he was... A small man, head and shoulders above everybody else we saw batting today. Even Steve Smith, who, who grinded out. Warner played with a fluency, especially against the new ball. And he's, you know, he was saying that against that harder, newer ball, it was easier to score. And obviously, the longer the day went on, the harder it was to score. 83 not out at lunch, and then he struggled in the afternoon session. But it was the day Warner joined in in this Ashes series, I think. And, and you mentioned Steve Smith. I, I mean, it's incredible, isn't it? The... The patience of Job, the way he bats, even towards the end of the day when he's already past 50 and close close to 500 runs in the series and, and he's still just patting them back if it's straight and leaving it outside off stump and nerdling singles and not trying to take liberties against Milan, the part-time bowler. And I think he, he was last dismissed at the Melbourne Cricket Ground in a test match in 2014. So that sounds a, a little bit of an omen, I suppose. But it's just incredible the way he's just relentless and insatiable. I, I've I've never really seen a batsman like that. I suppose Sachin Tendulkar was a bit like that at times, but he had a bit more flair. And it, it doesn't seem as if Smith is bothered about enjoying himself. He obviously enjoys just grinding the bowlers down and batting for as long as he possibly can. I think that's just it. He just loves batting and he's out in the middle there. It's all consuming for him at the moment. I mean, you wonder in the future, you know, the longer you do the job, when defeats come in, whether that pressure has an effect and it does begin to affect your batting. But at the moment, he's just in a perfect place where his team is on top. He's enjoying the pitches. He's enjoying England's attack. And what is he going to come up with? On the second day of the game, he's already moving towards another century in the series. He is just relentless. England must be sick of the sight of him. They probably dream of him at night, but not in a good way. 
<laughs> no, that's right. And talking of the pitch, at least it does look very flat and there is no Mitchell Stark. So when England finally do manage to unravel this Australian batting order and, and get them out for hopefully around the 400 mark, 450. I mean, they, they wanted a wicket tonight with the second new ball. They took it, I thought, a little bit too late. But anyway, uh, they've got it at least in the morning to use again. And there is that just hint of movement, though not much carry. But if they can somehow get Australia sort of 400, 420 all out, and they've sort of held them in check in a way today, then they should be quite confident, I reckon, of making runs on there. Yeah, I think there are two views on the pitch. One is... That one, it's a flat pitch. Jimmy Anderson saying after play today is a flat pitch. It's hard work. It's slow. Therefore, it's, you know, it's going to be difficult for bowlers and that it's going to hold together. It's one of those drop-in surfaces. It, it won't disintegrate. The other view is it, you know, it's slow. It's a grind. It's, it's a pitch for patience. But also, if you bowl straight, you get that natural variation and perhaps even more un, uh, uneven banks as the game goes on. There were a few low balls today which might be of concern. It, it will be... Worth keeping an eye on the pitch, as we always do, of course. How is it going to play? Is it just going to be the same throughout? Is it going to stay flat, or are we going to get that variable banks? And, of course, if we do get that variable banks, then it's tricky for the side batting, well, later in the game, certainly fourth and possibly even second if Australia get up, to, you know, put on a big score. You mentioned 420. I think England would be pretty happy with 420. I mean, the, remember, they got 650 Australia in Perth. I mean, they're, they're perfectly capable of going really big, and that, that's the worry for England. So they, they desperately need a couple of wickets with that new ball in the morning. They need Smith out early just to prevent Australia going massive in this game. Well, fingers crossed they can do that. I'm, um, I'm off to confessional this morning because I'm afraid Quite to say... Quite right to. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a murderer uh, after the Christmas Day experience because we had lobster and I had to actually kill it myself. So I followed the instructions, put it in the freezer for a couple of hours to put it very gently to sleep and then had to stab it through the head. So uh, I, I don't feel too good today, though I must admit it did taste good. <laughs> I just wonder if that's a story too far, even for the analyst inside cricket. Well, give us your feedback and let us know what you think about that. Well, yes, absolutely. Well, it sort of it makes a change from reflecting on England's torturous tour of Australia anyway. So... Let's uh, hope for a better day tomorrow, the 27th of December, for England. Quick wickets in the morning and batting by mid-afternoon. And just hope that England can somehow find a way of taking the lead in this Test match. Well, they held on to it today. They, they did. They, they worked hard. 102 for no wicket at lunch, 244 by the close. They held on to it. Can they make the inroads? Well, we'll find out on the second day. Join us again tomorrow. Goodbye for now. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.